You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. I have to admit, sometimes I'm wrong. So welcome to the I Was Wrong sub-series of the James Altucher Show podcast. Welcome to the first episode of a new sub-series on the podcast called I Was Wrong. Over the past 20 years, I've written thousands and thousands of articles. And for most of those years, I wrote an article a day. Most of them meaningless, not so good, but some of these articles caught a lot of attention and I'm going to, you know, I wrote about opinions like nobody should ever own a home. Don't send your kids to college. People shouldn't vote or most people shouldn't vote. I wrote many, many articles. I wrote New York city is dead forever. Here's why. And a few people disagreed with some of my articles, sometimes more than a few. I've gotten death threats, a student at a major Ivy league university. I called campus police. I called the chief of police there and I reported this guy and what he said. And this guy was like, Oh, do you really want to report, get this kid in trouble? He's about to graduate. We had an experience with him once before he threatened a librarian. You really want to get him in trouble. And I'm like, sounds like he should go to jail. <laughs> like, it sounds like he shouldn't be released from Brown. You should just keep him inside 
anyway, this I'll talk about this more actually when I'm when I talk about maybe how I might have been wrong about going to college. But today's topic, I want to talk about home ownership. The reasons why I was against owning a home and and still largely am against owning a home for me and for others, but I have slightly changed my stance. And in fact, I will describe one of the reasons why towards the end, but first let's talk a little bit about home ownership and why people do it. I do think it's largely a scam. I'm not saying now you shouldn't own a home. I'm going to take that part back, but I do think owning a home is largely a scam. I think people are hypnotized into it. And there's two major reasons. One is there's a $15 trillion industry. The mortgage, there's $15 trillion of mortgage debt in the United States. Who lends money? Who lent you that $15 trillion? Well, banks did. This is how a bank makes money. A bank borrows money from its customers. When you open up a savings account, you get a half a percent interest on that savings account per year. So if you have $100,000 in your savings, then you're, you're going to make an entire $500 a year from your bank savings account. But what that really means is when you open up a savings account, you're lending your bank money and they're paying a, a half a percent interest per year to you. But then what they do with your money is they lend it out to people who want to buy homes for about three and a half percent. I don't know what mortgage rates are now. It's around three and a half to 4%. So let's say person opens a savings account, puts a hundred thousand dollars into it. The bank pays out a half a percent a year, but then they lend it out at like 4%. So if they lend that hundred thousand dollars out to someone buying a home, they're making $4,000. They're losing 500 on their savings account guy. And they're making 4,000. So they make the difference 4,000 minus 500. They're making 3,500. That's how a bank, that is the entire business model of a bank. They borrow money cheaply from their savings accounts and they lend it out expensively to, and the the most common loan is for, for people buying a home. It's a, it's an easy loan. It's a 30 year mortgage. They keep collecting that money year after year, $4,000, $4,000, $4,000. And they're lending out at the savings account. $500, $500, $500. So it's a great business for them. A bank is a wonderful business. And $15 trillion worth of mortgages, banks have a very good incentive to keep you thinking you should buy a house. They want everybody to buy a house because they make so much money from that. The other thing is, is that 100 years ago, factories and companies, they didn't want employees to quit. So even companies would lend money to employees to own a home because then they know that you own a home right near the company. And it's not so easy to move. As many of you know, it's not so easy to sell a house, particularly if it's a company house right next to the factory. Somebody else has to be working for the factory to want to buy the house. This is the American dream. By the way, the American dream was used in a Fannie Mae marketing campaign in the 60s. Fannie Mae lends money to buy homes. So they kind of interweave the the phrase, the American dream with the white picket fence and like, oh, the yard that your kids could run around in. And then the real estate agent tells you, oh, you can't think of a house as an investment. So, you know, you think of it as a home, it's your home. Well, I could rent a home. I could Airbnb in a home. 
people say, oh, this, your, your home is your roots. You're going to live here for 30 years. It's your, it, it's your kids will grow up and you'll have, you'll, you'll make a fence and you'll put little marks when they grow different heights. And first off, it's not roots. The average American homeowner lives in a home for four and a half years. So people move around. That's not in question. Then people say, oh, you're flushing your money down the toilet. If you rent, I'm going to go over that for a quick second, because first off, your house is an investment. Don't listen to any real estate agent that says your house is not. Are you insane? It's usually the largest financial decision you're ever going to make in your life. Why wouldn't you? What I'm not, I'm going to think of it as, oh, I'm just going to throw away all my savings because this is my home. What? That's BS. What if you, what if you get a job at a different place? You want to make sure you get your money back and maybe more. Anybody who says, oh, don't think of your home as an investment. They're just trying to sell you a home and they're removing the biggest reason why you might not want to buy a home because yes, a home is an investment. Think about it. Think of the average person who buys a home. And I'm not saying this in a bad way. This is just how people do it. They work really hard. Maybe they save up 50,000, a hundred thousand, whatever. And when you have a hundred thousand, you could say to your wife and your kids hey, or your husband or whatever, Hey, let's go buy a home. Now I have money for a down payment. And then you, you, you go, you, you see some homes, you look at homes. You, oh, here's a home for $500,000. It's got the white picket fence. It's got one third of an acre. It's got three bedrooms and two baths. We could have the in-laws over. Okay. Well, how do I buy this? You don't have $500,000. You worked really hard for 10 years. Now you maybe have $150,000 safe. So you put 30% down and you borrow the rest, $350,000. Sometimes you put down a hundred thousand and you borrow 400,000. It just depends on the bank and, and you know, what year it is and how people are lending money. If that house goes down from a half a million dollars in value to $400,000 in value, you just lost your hundred thousand dollars. You can't move. You just lost all your, your life savings. So you have to think of a home as an investment. Now I'll deal with that in a little bit, but this is just one of the issues. Second, it's not like you own the house at that point. You own 20% of the house. The bank still wants the money. The government wants property taxes. And by the way, your home has problems. Your toilet might stop flushing. That's the biggest problem. And then you gotta, then you gotta fix it. Like you gotta go, what is this thing? You gotta go, first of all, you gotta go to the death star, which is another name for home Depot. You ever go to home Depot and it's so vast and it doesn't seem like there are any people in it. Like you're, you're just in this huge Death Star store with all this equipment that I I have no idea why anyone buys. What is I love a snake? But, but okay, what is the snake? The it's snake the is a thing. Yeah, you. What is? Like, why do they call it the snake? Because it it goes down the toilet and you, you've you had I've used one before, so it goes down the toilet. Yeah, are you proud of that? All like, the way did you enjoy down. using it? No, I hated it, but I had no well, choice. Yeah. See, you if you own a home, if you own a home, you're responsible for fixing it. This is it. when I was renting it. Well, why, why didn't your <laughs> landlord fix it? Because so. they only, they only fix things that are like less than $500 or something. Well, you had a bad deal with your landlord. <laughs> like when I rent, I, oh. I make sure my landlord's fixing By the, the way, plumbing. It was our house. You, our house in Florida. Was it New York city or Cuba or Florida, Florida. Oh, well, we should have had the <laughs> landlord doing it. I was in my office. I probably was the one that backed up the toilet and then you had to clean it. <laughs> That's what marriage is all about, I guess. When you have, so here's the, in addition, everyone says, oh, you're flushing your rent down the toilet. 
Well, guess what? Yes, your mortgage payment, your mortgage payment might be less than what your equivalent rent would have been. And people are saying, oh, but your mortgage is you're paying to yourself. No, you're not. There's a, a part of the mortgage is the interest payment that you would never would have had to pay if you're paying rent. You have to pay this extra money to the bank. And not only, and yes, there's a tax benefit. So just make the interest rate a little bit less, but it's, it's not, that tax benefit is not that great. And then there's property taxes. So your city or state or whatever charges you extra money. They assess what your house's value is at, and they might be right and they might be wrong. And then they charge you taxes based on that. So if you don't pay those taxes, the government is, I I've had this happen to me. I've owned a home and gone broke and the government comes over to your house, like a nice government should. And they put signs all over your house. You know, this man owns, owes property taxes and they'll take your house. The bank will take your house. If you don't pay your interest payments, the, the, the government will take your house. If you don't pay property taxes or your house will fall apart. If you don't pay all the maintenance fees, which I don't know what the average maintenance is on a house but it significantly adds to your monthly payment. So yes. Wait, do, but that's only in New York though. There's no maintenance in the rest of the world. Like I'm talking about maintenance, like fixing pl- toilets. Oh, but if you know how to do it, you don't have to pay anybody. No, but you still have to go buy the snake. And yeah, what, what if, what if something messes up with your electrical wiring? You got to pay somebody to do it. So most people have to pay somebody. Most people aren't like electricians on the side and they can fix their home. So, so all I'm saying is these are the arguments, uh, against owning a home and, uh, uh, you know, there's again, and, 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 and let's just look at it as an investment. The average home in the U S over the past 100 years adjusted for inflation has returned 0.2% per year. Stock market returns like six or 7% per year adjusted for inflation. A home housing has only returned 0.2% per year. And then everyone's thinking to themselves, well, my parents bought a house in, you know, New Jersey for $300,000 and then they sold it for 2.5 million in the OOs or whatever. Yes, there are periods where housing returns more than 0.2%. I'm just talking about average. So, and past performance, of course, is not an indicator of future performance. So we don't really know how housing will return in the future. And then there's another very important thing. Housing, this is an important concept about investing, not about home ownership that I'm about to say. Housing, a home is a liquid, meaning when I need the money, let's say I need the money today. I can't just sell my home today and get the money. So, and, and in fact, when the economy is going down, try selling your home. It might take a years to sell your home. So like in 2008, you couldn't sell a home. And in 2001, you couldn't sell a home. It was very, very difficult. Now, some people are probably saying, well, I sold my home. Okay, anecdotes are great. But in general, it t- it, the days on the market skyrocketed in 2008 and in 2001. So when something is a liquid, when an investment is a liquid, that means it should return more than investments that are not liquid because it's riskier. It's harder to get your money, which means it's riskier. So stocks, which... I could sell today, even on a down market, I could sell them today and have my money. It's stocks are considered liquid investments and yet, and stocks return more on average, not always, but on average stocks return more than housing. So as an investment, it's too big of your savings. Okay. It's always a bigger proportion of your savings than you, one should invest in any one asset class. 
Two, it's illiquid. Three, on average, it hasn't returned as much per year. Four, you don't know, instead of getting money, like stocks pay a dividend sometimes, but owning a home is like a reverse dividend. You've got to pay interest, maintenance, property taxes, and so on. And again, I'll mention it again. You got to put lots of cash down and it's illiquid. So yes, you should think of it as investment. And I will get to that because there are ways I realize now there are ways to not every home is created equal. There are ways to buy a home where it's a good investment. It's a value investment, like a Warren Buffett style investment. But I find when I talk to people that everyone says, Oh no, I, I always make money buying homes. This is a, a Dunning Kruger bias. This is like, you think you are better than you are like nine out of 10 people think they're above average drivers. I'm the one out of 10 who thinks he's below average, but, but it's impossible for nine out of 10 to be above average. Only four out of 10 are above average. And by the way, nine out of 10, I will say this nine out of 10 are probably below average, even though that makes no sense for the same reason. Most drivers suck. And you know, a lot of homes don't really make that much money adjusted for inflation as we've seen. So there's all these problems. There's an additional problem. Robin, when I stopped up the toilet, you must've made like a lot of food the night before. And I took care of business that morning. And then I went into my office and did whatever. And you had to get a snake and clean up <laughs> the toilet. That's what's called opportunity cost. You could have used that time for something different. Like just because it doesn't cost money doesn't mean it didn't have a cost. So, uh, uh, you know, that that's important thing to take into account. Not only that you, are you ever going to see your hundred thousand, let's say you buy a half a million dollar house and you put a hundred thousand down. I like going to sleep at night knowing there's cash in my bank account. I don't like to give the bulk of my net worth for one illiquid investment and not have that cash. People stay up at night worrying about their mortgage payments and the, and their lack of cash. I know twice I've owned a home. I know it was a real stress and anxiety for me. Look, here's the thing though. Robin, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you always like to own a home. You've always wanted to own a home most of the time in your life. Yes. I would say have men, have the men you've met, have they always wanted to own a home? Yes. Well, really? Are you're you telling the, the truth? One that did, yeah. You're the first. Okay. Well, I feel like for me, <laughs> love is like a drug. <laughs> like, you know, when you, you know, if you take marijuana, I don't know. You just laugh in front of a TV, whatever. <laughs> if you, if you, if you take uh crack, maybe we're going to start like slapping each other for fun, like slapping each other's faces for fun. Um, if you take LSD, you have all these hallucinations or whatever. I feel like love makes me buy a home. <laughs> like you wanted to buy a home. And so I took this drug, it's called love. And it made me do something completely insane that I've never, I mean, here are the titles of some of my articles. Okay. I, uh, it's financial suicide to own a house. That's one article. And here's another article. Why I would rather shoot myself in the head than own a home. By the way, surprise. I now own a home, which we just closed on because of a young lady named Robin. But this time, as opposed to the two prior times where I've owned a home where I lost money and I was miserable the entire time, I did something a little bit different. And I'm going to get into that in a second. I do think of my, this home as an investment and as a value investment. And by the way, I do think of it as a home. 
I want to add one more thing that not owning a home provides you that's really important is flexibility. Let's say you own a home in, you know, New York City and your job is there. But now let's say you don't want to live in New York City anymore and you found a job in San Francisco or in Oklahoma and you want to move. Well, you're stuck. Often people can't buy a new home till they sell their old home. Why? Because they put our whole life savings into buying a home. So they're less flexible. I pride my freedom. I pride flexibility. I don't think financially it makes sense in most cases, not in all cases. And I, I like having cash in the bank. So these are some of the reasons why I, and, and look right now, jobs are not secure. We know this 55 million people were laid off during the pandemic. So it's not like you get the stable job, then you get the stable home. Everything's a little bit more unstable. And so again, that's another important reason you really have to think carefully when you own a home. And now I want to address why do people always argue with me about this? Like every, nothing I say, oh, Robin and Jay, let me ask you, did I just say anything that doesn't make sense? It, it makes sense. No, it makes a whole sense. Like I put $20 in the stock, I can't even sleep at night. Even yeah, just well, $20. So like every time when I put some money down on something. Are you saying I should pay you more than $15 a week? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just, I, I, my point is like, no matter how much money you put down for any investment, you will think about it. You yeah. know, so like if you put down money for, for mortgages, you, you, you think about it, you can't sleep at night too. So, well, and usually people at the, you know, young people get their starter home, but that mm -hmm. young people don't have as much savings as older people. So when you buy your starter home, chances are this is the biggest financial decision in your life. You're putting down most of your net worth. In general, I advise people when they buy a stock, for instance, put down one, two, 3% of your net worth, 5% if you don't have a lot of money saved and you want to play around in the stock market, but don't do more than that. that only, and, and, and people put down 80% of their net worth or, or 150% of their net worth, even more, by the way, they put down 500% of their net worth because they're borrowing money and you get into this so much debt. And you think about that debt, that's very stressful for a lot of people, it's stressful for, for me. The only debt I've ever had in my life is housing debt. I paid back my I did have student loan debt, but I paid it back. Uh, I had no, I had no money. I paid, put myself through college. Let's, we'll, we'll deal with that in the college. I was wrong, but you know, it's, 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 it was just, it's the, whenever I bought a home, it was the biggest check I've written in my life, including just now when Robin and I bought a home. So uh, you know, you know where this is going because I did just buy a home. So I can't be, but, but everything I'm saying makes sense. So why do people argue with me? They have cognitive dissonance. Like if you just made the biggest financial decision of your life and some jerk off named James Aldacher writes, I, I'd rather shoot myself in the head than own a home. You're going to not like this guy, me, <laughs> because your brain, your brain doesn't want you to think you're stupid. So cognitive dissonance results. A lot of things create cognitive dissonance. If you went to college and someone says, don't go to college. Well, you're going to get cognitive dissonance. If you own a gun and someone says, oh, all guns make you bad. You're going to have cognitive dissonance. You're going to feel, you're not going to want to listen to the other side. You're just going to argue. So most of the time I've noticed when I write an article that is well thought out and researched and I care about the topic and I'm trying to help people. Most of the time people don't address the issues. They just say, you're a jerk or you're an idiot or you're, well, I hate that guy. And maybe they're right. That's I don't too know. Bad. Yeah. So just, I, I like, your opinions, you know, everyone is different. So everyone's entitled to their opinion. And that's, yeah. and look, I think what I'm proud of with myself 
is that I am willing to change my mind. And sure. Robin, you've seen me do it many times. Yep. I've changed my mind. Usually, depending on whatever you say, I just change my mind and agree with you. <laughs> so I'm very easy well, to change my mind. Growth, it's a growth mindset, right? You just are open to listen to other people and you learn and you grow. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And and I think you always should be curious and skeptical and and check yourself. And, and also situations change. And yeah. so, but I remember, so do you know who, who Tom Anderson is? No. Did you guys ever, Jay or Robin, did you ever join MySpace? Yes. Did he create a MySpace? No. Yeah. Yeah. Tom created MySpace. So he's, mm. he's, um, when you join MySpace, you, you start off with one friend, Tom, you remember that? Right. So, yes. So Tom had a hundred million virtual friends on MySpace. Now the reality is Tom in real life doesn't have a hundred million friends. He's kind of a loner, but I am friends with Tom. <laughs> so no way. Yeah. I never told you that. No, so I didn't know. I, I didn't know you have a lately, friend. but what a great uh, thing. Cause he had probably had no friends. So he just did a MySpace and he got a lot of, friends. maybe, maybe that's the story. But anyway, he, he sent me an email once and he said, cause Tom's into real estate. Now he buys real estate with all the money he made on MySpace. And so Tom sent me this email, <laughs> this guy at realtytrack.com. He wrote an entire article about me, but, and I say about oh, me, cause he still doesn't address the issues I raise. He doesn't address that. He'll, he doesn't address that how, you know, housing in general has not returned as well as other investments. He doesn't address the illiquid stuff. He doesn't address that your extra payments are kind of equivalent to rent. Like, Oh, one more thing about the rent. I know I keep saying one more thing, but if I don't put a hundred thousand dollars down, I can use that hundred thousand dollars to potentially make more than the average house makes. So financially it can make complete sense to not buy a home again, because there's opportunity cost when you lock that hundred thousand dollars away, but okay, forget that for a second. Here's what miss this guy says about me in his article. For Mr. Altucher, the notion of home ownership seems downright scary, and he shouldn't own a home. He probably shouldn't own a car either, or a goldfish. What? <laughs> like, how is he saying the fact that I don't want to own a home is equivalent to I don't want to own a goldfish? And how is he so dead on correct? Like, I don't want to own a goldfish. How did he know? <laughs> then he goes on to say he wants the combination of limited responsibility, someone else taking care of things, and the ability to move to Sri Lanka on a moment's notice. And he wants his investments to be all liquid. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Doesn't everybody want limited responsibility, someone else taking care of things, and an ability to move to Sri Lanka on a moment's notice and his investments be liquid? That's called common sense. Like, if you could own a home but have limited responsibility, and then if you could have someone else taking care of things, like Robin, you could have hired a goddamn plumber to use the snake. <laughs> And if I'm renting and I want to move to Sri Lanka, that's great. Like, what do I have to sell my home for in order to move to Sri Lanka? Like, I don't, you know, I was one so in that direction. Of course, I lived in Airbnbs. I can move every four days if I wanted. And yeah, I'm a smart investor. So I want my investments to be as liquid as possible. That's called being a good investor. So, okay. All of that said, all of that said, mm -hmm. I was wrong in part. <laughs> Robin and I bought a home. Robin, when did we start? When did you start talking about owning a home? Because I know when you started talking about it, I was like, uh, maybe not. So, you know, I'm known for writing these articles. I don't really, have you read my articles about yeah. owning a home? You did say that. Yes. 
I said, no. Like, when did we start thinking about it? Um, I think last year, maybe. You know, we just, when we moved to Florida, um, I think that was something that we were really looking into is um, buying property. I think so. that was something you were really looking into. I thought we were going to Florida temporarily <laughs> to wait out the pandemic. Nobody was, and I mean, you go rent, out to dinner in Florida. It, it, you know, we, we thought that with our rent, it would go up because rents were, we saw them going up and we didn't want to be put in that sort of position, I think. Yeah. So that's a big deal. So here's what happened to us in Florida. We were paying rent from a landlord and this had never happened to me before, but I got scared. We were paying rent and we had a two year lease to pay the same rent for two years. Mm-hmm. After the first year, um, our landlord, you know, he said, look, rent's going to go up to X and X was 50% higher, 50% higher rent. And we, and we didn't talk to the landlord. We talked to the real estate agent. So whatever. Um, but we said, look, uh, we have a contract and they said, well, things have changed. And we're like, no, we have a actual contract. You can't change the contract. And you know, Lawyers were involved, but it was settled very nicely. It was fine. We didn't end up paying more rent. But I started thinking, and Robin started thinking, oh my gosh, if if rents go up like 50% per year, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. Eventually, you're going to be priced out of where you want to live. Like right. That was scary to me that it never occurred to me that I might not be able to live someplace I love or like because- right rents are going up exponentially. It's one thing if rents go up 3% a year. It's another thing if they go up 50% a year. And I got scared. Like if, when you pay a mortgage, that's one thing, you know, unless you have an adjustable rate mortgage, when you pay a mortgage, the mortgage does not go up, uh, every year. It it's the same for the next 30 years. Your monthly payment never goes up. So I started thinking, well, wait a second. We know this as a fact now. Please don't get upset about this. People from New York City are leaving. Something like half a million people left New York City last year. People from San Francisco are leaving. People from LA are leaving. People from Chicago are leaving. People are leaving urban high-tax areas because they're working remote. Again, 23% of office buildings in New York City are to are at capacity. I mean, buildings are at 23% full instead of 100% full because remote work is a real thing now. And it's, it's a trend that started before the pandemic, the pandemic, like it did with many things, accelerated that trend. And the trend is here to stay more than half of workers say they would quit their job if they were required to, to work in the office. And now you see a a worker shortage in many industries. So, so people are moving. And the problem is New York city, New York city dollars or San Francisco dollars. They're like, kryptonite like you move someplace else and right. like those dollars buy more things it's like you have su- those dollars have superpowers mm-hmm. so we have friends who move to chattanooga tennessee to kansas city to you know and of course in miami all the first places they moved to in 2020 miami austin denver salt lake city you know uh Franklin, some parts of montana Nash- nashville nashville rents are up 50%. Housing prices are up 20%, 30%, in some cases, 100%. In Miami, I know of some places that are up 100%. And not only that, days available, like you put your house up on the market in Miami and it's gone within hours. Mm-hmm. It used to be like 30 days, it would stay on the market. But now it's like within hours and there are competing bids and they're getting over the asking price 
which was already 50% higher than it was a year ago. Now, these are not facts. These are, now I'm saying anecdotes, but in general, mm -hmm. we noticed while we were looking in the Miami area, even in the few months we were looking, prices were going up 10, 20%, sometimes even more. And people were bidding like crazy. And you don't, you don't want to buy in that kind of environment because then you feel like you feel anxious, like, oh, you got to spend the most amount of money in order to get this place in such high demand. You better buy right now. Like an another lesson for a good investor is don't get hungrier just because everyone else is hungry. Like you have to be calm and, and, and come up with a formula for how you're going to pay things and make sure you get good value. Things were going up so fast. I didn't know if Miami was worth 50% more than it was a year ago. I, Miami is a great city, but you know, it's got problems too. So, so we started thinking, well, let's just start looking at places. And we were very open and we were very open to uh, relocating which I think is healthy to be. And we're lucky yeah, actually, because we both work here at home. So we don't have a job that keeps us in one location. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there and it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like, if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long 
And both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Even if you have a job that keeps you in one location, there is a shortage of labor out there in almost every single industry right now. I think right now, more than any other time in the past hundred years, you could pick the lifestyle you want and move to where that lifestyle exists. And now people might say, and people have said this to me, don't you think New York City will come back once opera is back? Well, no, I've never been to an opera in my life, but let's just say the, what that person really intended is when culture is back, when, when things are open, when rest, great restaurants are open. But what I find is, is that, yeah, you might not have the Metropolitan Opera and the Natural History Museum in St. Louis or Kansas City, but most other cities, even second tier, third tier, fourth tier cities have pretty good pockets of culture somewhere in the city. I have yet to encounter a city and I've been, I've been all over the U.S., I've yet to encounter a city where I couldn't find friends, culture, things I activities I wanted to do. And yes, New York City has a lot of those activities, but there's only so many activities you can do anyway. And right. it's not like I go to the opera every night. I mean, Jay, what do you, you're in New York City right now, and Robin, you lived in New York City. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Like Jay, what do you do that make takes advantage of New York City? What do I do? Uh, I see a lot of homeless people. That's an advantage of New York City. That's you know? <laughs> okay, but I I'll, I will say you could see no, that sure. in in many places, San Francisco. You can certainly yeah. see that, and in some other cities. 
Uh, well, the, but like, the thing do is, you go out to the museums? You go to the planetarium? Mm-hmm. Other than when we're getting Neil deGrasse Tyson on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, I think that also depends on what type of person you are or I am. Yeah, um, yeah because like, like for okay, so right now New York City has been slowly open up right now, and it's a concert happening in uh, in uh, Central Park. Like I, I tell you, like for the for the past, I would say five months that New York City has opened up, I haven't been to any place. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, like because we people here still worry about the Delta variant or whatever, uh, that's fine. It's just that I'm not the type of person that I would like to go out. And also, how many museum can you go to uh, in a week? Yeah, in, and, in and you're months? right though. It does depend on the person. Like I just, I I hated museums as a kid. I liked them for a brief period. In I could tell you like the month in November 1994, I liked going to museums. But since then, I have not. But that, but some people do like to, and they should stay sure. in New York. Yeah. And and New York's got young people might not like New York because of uh, there's so many bars and opportunities to to meet people and I don't know. And you want to live in New York if you have to live in New York. I mean, it's a great experience and yep. in, if to experience it once in your life. Um, it is a very young crowd now though because like yep. people our age, you know, don't need to 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 deal with uh, the hordes of people and, or- and all the issues. You're a great example, actually. So in the 90s, you owned a hair salon in Austin and you sold it. And then when you moved to New York, you were able to meet and interact with some of the best hair salon people on the planet. Like whatever whatever you're interested in, New York City often has it. the best in the world at it. That's I don't know right. if that has always been true and I don't know if that'll be true in the future, but it, it was true before the pandemic yeah. at least. Right. And um, But, you know, there's other parts of... Like, you know, in, in the OOs, I would always say to my friends who worked on in the hedge fund business, you know, if, if you didn't need to be in New York City, you certainly wouldn't because it's a hard place to live. Now, I'm not arguing against New York City right now. I'm just saying sometimes it's an expensive place. Sometimes it's there's or it was. Sometimes it's a little dirty and, and, you know, but there's things that counteract that. Let's just assume for now there are things that counteract that. Right. But other people might want to live on an acre of land or five acres of land. Other people might want to live near a place where they could go to a stable and ride horses. A lot of other people might want to live. You're talking about me. I'm talking about you. (laughs) A lot of other people might want to have more space. Like, you know, in New York city, I saw a studio just now. I just, I looked it up. I saw a studio that's 275 square feet going for $1,300 a month. Oh my God. That's the size of our closet. Right. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, believe me, it's literally. smaller than our closet. We're, <laughs> but that's we have got a disgusting closet. <laughs> that's the rent, right? But, yeah. Uh, but like now, Jay, disgusting. pick a city. Let, let's just pick St. Louis, which, by the way, is a beautiful city. I'm gonna see what what does it cost to rent a studio that's in in St. Louis. I'm just the picking St. Louis randomly. The last I checked, it was six hundred dollars. Oh, that's yeah. Okay. The last I checked for six hundred dollars a month in St. Louis, you can get six hundred square feet. It's like a dollar per square foot. It's like, here's uh, another one, 556. Oh, I don't know how many square feet that is. Here's one. Um, yeah, here's one, $600 a month, 550 square feet. Yep. Uh, wow. Here's 850 a month for 545 square feet. So again, compare that to $1,300 for a studio and 270. I don't even, 275 square feet is like... I don't even know what that is. It, it's a bedroom. It's a bedroom. It's like, like the size it's, of like a, a dining room City table. Bedroom. How big yeah. is your it's place, a New York City Jay? bedroom. Yeah. Well, my place, my okay. So I have a, 
I would say I call it a loft so I can be a little bit fancier. It's more like a I call it a duplex. I want to be fancy, but it's more like a small loft. So my place, including the, the loft, it would be around six hundred fifty to seven hundred square feet. Okay. So the living space where I can walk around, it's only around three hundred square feet. Really? And, and so it's three hundred square feet that yep. you your living space. And Jay, do you mind saying how much you you pay for rent? Yeah, I'm paying for twenty six fifty. Twenty six fifty. Oh my god! So okay, and again, but you're choosing that lifestyle, and that's fine. I'm not gonna argue that's against what we that. Pay but for other our people, house a month. Uh, other <laughs> other <laughs> people, yeah, we wish that other people, yeah. other people might want to live in more square footage. Like when you have a family, like yeah. you know, one strategy for owning a home is we call it the magnet theory, where uh, you know, as our kids have kids, we want all the kids and grandkids to come and stay in the house and have yeah. some space and so on. So you want to find a place that's cheaper to live, but you still has many of the qualities that you like in a, in a city. Like I like to be near a city because there's a lot of benefits to being, you know, near, near universities and, and, you know, I have friends in most cities yeah. and there's bookstores and, but we wanted to live, you know, also in a place where you can have more acreage and more square footage, Horses. Your, your dollars could go further. So we looked, we looked in, you know, near Nashville, we looked around Tennessee. We thought about North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, near Atlanta, uh, and we ended up buying a, a a really nice home in a good place. But it wasn't just lifestyle. So I would say yes. We we made a list of all the things we want in lifestyle, and we picked the location and the house that fit that need. But then there's the issue of price. I haven't talked about price yet. So. How, owning a home is an investment. I would not own a home if I did not think the value of that home would go up. So I treated owning a home like I would treat any investment, and I did my homework. So for for instance, here's one of the things that I did. Where are when you move, you go to your local post office and you file a change of address form. So where I knew that a half a million people had filed change of address forms with the New York post office. Where were New Yorkers moving? Well, and I talked to Bill uh, from Allied Van Lines on an earlier podcast. You know, I did things like that. We knew that U-Hauls were, you know, New York City ran out of U-Hauls. So many people were moving. Well, where were they moving? I don't care that they were moving. Where are they moving? Because we saw Miami, which was a year ahead of everybody. We saw Miami go up 50%. What's the next Miami? Because you want to get it on the ground floor of a good investment. So uh, uh, they were moving, basically, like Bill said, they were moving to, uh, you know, every place from Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina. Like he mentioned, I think, Charleston, South Carolina. He mentioned Asheville, North Carolina. Nashville was last year, but people were still moving there. Atlanta was one of the biggest surges of, in terms of change of regress address data. And there's, you can Google that. There's like a map that shows you uh, lines for where people are moving. People were moving from New York to Austin and of course from LA and San Francisco to Austin, but that I felt was already done. So second, I looked at all these markets where people were moving and I wanted to find a place where real estate had not yet gone up. So where they, it was starting to go up, but it hadn't made the super moves that Austin and Miami, uh, were, were doing. So we saw Atlanta, we saw, uh, you know, kind of Asheville, North Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, uh, not so much Denver, but maybe Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and yes, places like St. Louis, they, they hadn't yet m moved up, but I knew people were moving there. 
So eventually, there's only so much real estate you could buy around a city. Eventually, if people with those LA dollars, those Hollywood stars are moving to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City is going up. A, a great example is, what's the town in Montana that everybody in LA is moving to? I, I forget that town. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's like Bozeman, yeah. Montana. Oh yeah, Bozeman. I think Bozeman? that's uh, that's right. Yeah, I think that's Bozeman. Yeah. I remember we talked about it uh, in a couple of episodes back with uh, Jen Glenn's. So real estate in Montana, since this time last year, the median sale price for a home to Missoula increased 20.5%. And in Whitefish, it's increased 41%. Wow. So much. So I wanted to find the next Montana. We did find a place. We own a place now and we, we live, we own a home right outside Atlanta. Atlanta has... Uh, yeah, I also, here's another piece of research I did that's important. T usually, the, the biggest industry right now is technology. It's been the biggest industry for a long time. S that's why Silicon Valley prices went from normal in the 1960s to nobody could afford to live in San Francisco unless you're like a billionaire now. But meanwhile, now all these tech companies like Twitter is permanently remote. Google is partially remote. Facebook is partially remote. So where are all the San Francisco people moving? So you look where are people setting up offices. So I know Amazon is setting up an office in Nashville. Airbnb is setting up their East Coast office in Atlanta and on and on and on. And why are they doing this? Well, Georgia Tech is one of the top five computer science graduate schools. I actually applied there to graduate school in 1989. They rejected me quite correctly because I was thrown out of the graduate school that did accept me. And... <laughs> Georgia Tech is also number one for cybersecurity, which is a bigger problem than ever. It's the number one school in the world, number one graduate school for cybersecurity right now. So I figured, okay, there's a tech scene. I talked to a professor at Georgia Tech, and he said for the first time, he's getting incoming calls now from like VCs. Hey, what's going on? How, how are things going? What, what projects are your students working on? So this was a good sign for me. And then when you actually buy a house, okay, why, what are the reasons people are leaving? Is it a good reason or, you know, is it just they're trying to get the top dollar or are they just trying to, they're, they're moving to another state? There's, if, there's a, if there's a reason someone has to move, like they got a job somewhere else, their kids just left the house and they want to, they don't need as much space. Uh, I was talking to Dean Grazioni once. He told me uh, one of the Ds, if, if, if they're in debt, if, they're, if there's a death, if they're divorced, and I forgot another one, probably if they're depressed or whatever, uh, then they might want to uh, sell the house cheaply. Like if, in their, if they're in debt, remember, you can't get your money back so easily, so you have to make concessions in price. If, they're, if you're divorced, two people are leaving a house, neither one can afford it by themselves, they have to sell the house. If someone dies, the family doesn't want to deal with the house, they'll sell it for whatever price. They're, they're more price insensitive. So... We checked the box on that as well for all the places that we were looking at. You want to check all these boxes. And then you want to look at, of course, just like you would with stocks, what are similar in stocks? What are similar companies with similar earnings and similar growth? The value should be similar or, or lower. To find a good investment, you do what Warren Buffett does, which is you look at all the comparables and you buy something that's lower priced and you figure out why it's lower. And if it's a good reason, then you buy it. So... Yeah. We did that with this house. We looked at all the houses that were selling in the area, what they were selling for, what was the price per square foot, what, you know, what was the acreage, uh, what's the potential in the town, not only in, in Atlanta, but, you know, what's the potential in the state, what are the taxes and, and so on. Mm -hmm. So 
we made a, this is the first time I've ever done this. And the two prior times I bought a home, I did not even check one comp. How stupid was I? And I overpaid and I lost money both times. And I realized those are just my anecdotes and it shouldn't scar me for life. So I do think owning a home could be good if you do your due diligence. Yeah. You do your due diligence. So you get a good value. So then you really treat it like an investment. And, you, and I treat owning a home the same way I would treat any significant investment. But I also got spooked by rent. You know, if rent goes higher than inflation, you really can get screwed out of living where yeah. you want to live. And also I realized there were things that I wanted in my lifestyle that I wanted more permanently. I'm a little older now. I don't want to get priced out of a place and I want to live in a place that's, you know, got some nature, but has a city nearby and, and there's other things. So we, I checked the box on everything I wanted in my lifestyle. I think Robin, you checked the box and everything you wanted yeah. in yes. your lifestyle. One thing that was really important to me is I did not want to move into a place that needed like a lot of money and work to make it livable. A lot of people move into a place and, and then they do another two years worth of building to build that extra garage or whatever. And that seems to me to be a miserable experience. So I didn't want that. And, and I don't want to think, and I don't want to worry about whether I'm going to, my rent's going to go up. The mortgage is fixed for 30 right. years. And I don't know what are other good things about owning a home. I'm, I'm willing to admit that there's good reasons for people in a certain point in their life and who do the right research and on not only that value of the house, but on their lifestyle if they want. And is that lifestyle in other places? I'm not saying move anywhere. You know, you want to move to a place where it has your lifestyle and it has yeah. uh potential to be a great value investment. Like homes in the past few years have gone up five, six or 7% a year. I wanted to find a place that has potential for 10 to 20% per year over the next few years. And I, I think right. we, we, according to my research, I think we found that, but there's other areas too that will go up. I think Dallas, I think Asheville, North Carolina, I think South Carolina, I think, uh, Boulder, Colorado. I, I, I think probably in Northern Florida, as opposed to Southern Florida. I think though, another good thing about owning a home and I'm looking at it as a parent is that, you know, you really don't want to move outside of your area, um, where your kids are going to school. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're young, you don't have a family, you can move around and it's easy. You can live in Airbnbs if you want. But as you have kids, I think that it's important for them, uh, just for stability purpose, just to be in one area and let them go to one school, let them have their friends. Um, so I, I think you don't move around as much when you do have a family. And Look, and I, I'll tell you, by the way, after I wrote my articles and I also was on CNBC about this and Yahoo Finance was on this, when I was on Yahoo Finance, it was their most popular video of the year. They had like 10,000 comments and a million likes. But a lot of people came up to me afterwards, all men, and they said, and I'm, I'm not being sexist here. This is just what mm -hmm. happened. Men would come up to me and say, listen, I can't tell my wife this, but you're dead on about the house. I just wish sure. she would read your article, but she hates you. So. Yeah. Well, it's different with women. I mean, I think women are nesters. You know, we, we want to have more of a, a secure uh, environment at home. Uh, and it's a little bit different, I think, for men because you're, you guys typically are out, you know, making the money or, I mean, women to do as well. So I, yeah, I think don't, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but, but um, I do think the nesting instinct 
happens more yeah. with women. Because it's look, true. I would say kids should learn how to move. Like, look, your kids, Robin, moved mm-hmm. not only from home to home, but from country to country. You lived in Ghana, mm-hmm. China, Kuwait, right. uh, the U.S., of course. And you know, and maybe that's one. Uh, and maybe that's another reason why you know I want to have a a place is because you know moving around uh, when we lived overseas, they weren't, of course, our homes, and um, you know you you just you're not settled. And you're always on the move, and you're. I'll be hard. honest, though. Like we we've owned now for for a little over two months, and I'm a little scared just because I feel like I have PTSD from the prior two times I've owned a home. And yeah. not only that, my parents, they. I remember one time they bought a home, and and they put down the down payment, but they didn't. I mean, they put down the security deposit, but not the full down payment. And then they, they went broke. My dad went broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his business went out of business. And, and then this home, they had to sue to get their security deposits back. And I don't think they won the lawsuit. So I remember seeing the neighborhood where this home was, the whole neighborhood was finished, but this one home was just a shell because my, the lawsuit was going on. And, and it was so much stress for my parents. And in 2001, I owned an apartment just two or three blocks from ground zero and I, and I was going broke and I couldn't sell it. And in 2008, I overpaid for a home and then the financial crisis happened. And I was just always stressed out of my mind owning a home. And I feel it now, like, so I don't know if it's a real stress. I think it's irrational stress I'm having now, but I still get that. It's almost like PTSD about owning a home. I'm sorry about that. I don't yeah, have that. Yeah, it's your fault. Like, you better be sorry. <laughs> I've never had a problem owning a home. I mean, I've owned two and never had a problem. But that's just everyone has their own experiences. So. Yeah. And, and look. pretty good. I think, I do think we made the right decision. We live in a beautiful place. And Robin, I really thank you for, if you had not pushed me into doing this. And by the way, here's where I give you huge credit is that we both loved where we lived and we lived in Key Biscayne, which is an island right outside of Miami. Yeah. And a lot, we had a lot of nice friends there and it's so beautiful there. Like you see yeah. the sunset every day on the ocean, mm-hmm. surrounded by the ocean. And uh, I thought for sure that was the only place you would consider but you were really, you knew your lifestyle wasn't, the lifestyle you wanted did not depend on your zip code. And we looked in many, many states and at many, many ideas while I was also looking at all the data in terms of the investment value. And, you know, we, and you, you thought about my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I hope I thought about your lifestyle, but I know you like, oh, do they have a chess club nearby? Do they have Mm -hmm. bookstores? Like all these things. Right. Uh, you, you, you thought about, and where's James's office going to be? Where's, mm-hmm. you know, you heard me complain that in the prior two homes I've, I've owned, I had a really crappy office. So you made sure I would have a, a really nice office, which actually yeah. I find very interesting that you're sitting in right now, but I'm <laughs> sitting in the basement. <laughs> hmm, By your choice. That just occurred to me. Uh, I'm sitting in a dark basement and you're in the office that you had selected for me when we looked at this house. And, um, yeah, so, so, okay. Uh, is it financial suicide to own a home? 
Maybe. No, I don't think so. I think I was wrong a little bit. I think there, if you do it right, pick your lifestyle, do your due diligence. And stay open-minded too, because you really have to not have a fixed mindset and be very malleable in terms of, you know, how you view things, because you don't want to put yourself in a box. Everything that happened this past year, this pandemic, I mean, completely you know, change the world and, and how people are functioning and, and living. This never happened before. So you've got to be able to just change and, to, and, and be open to new ideas. I think that if you don't, you're going to get in trouble. Right. Because look, dollars are leaving LA, San Francisco, right. New York, London, Chicago, like the big cities. And they are moving to other states, states with lower taxes or states with better weather or states with more beautiful locations, but also states with just, Austin's got great culture, you know. Uh, it's uh, lifestyle, really. I mean, people are able for the first time to live in a place where they have a, a certain lifestyle they want to live um, because they work from home, you know. So, so there's many people that are remote and now they can do what they want. So I was wrong in saying I would never own a home again and nobody should own a home. I think you just have to be the pandemic. Right. I think, I, well, I think, I think the same things I said now still apply, but you just have to be really, all the reasons I said for not owning a home still apply, but there are answers to them. And I didn't think there were answers to them. And now I think there are. So if you do your work, you could find the answers to all the problems that I laid out. And to the guy who wrote, he should never own a goldfish. You, my friend, are absolutely right. I should never own a goldfish. We do own a bird, and I do not touch it. Robin is taking care of it. Oh, and we you do love own Lulu. a dog, and our kids are taking care of it. Yeah. And by the way, I don't own a car because I don't have a driver's license. So this guy was a prophet. <laughs> and but but I will give him credit. There are occasions when one should own a home. So thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, the very first, the premiere episode of I Was Wrong. <laughs> if you like this episode and you want to hear how I was wrong about college, maybe, maybe I was wrong, maybe I wasn't, stay tuned for next week. I have some surprise announcements with that one as well that were surprised to me at least. And uh, uh, Is it going to be a surprise for me? No. <laughs> okay. But tweet tweet okay. out if She's I was right. <laughs> We, that's when that's when should you have an audio engineer for your podcast wait for that episode <laughs> yeah that's gonna the, the episode's gonna be fun you know that's gonna be you will see my face you will see another asian person so, so you know so tweet out tweet out if i was right in doing an i was wrong sub series <laughs> and thank you robin and jay for appearing on this one and hopefully on future yeah, all the future fun. ones so yeah, it's great thanks everybody thank you <laughs> thank you bye